0: You know, sometimes people ask me, hey, Matt, I want to work for a startup. Which type of startup should I work for? And they're asking to know, like, which startups do I think are going to be the biggest, right? The ones that end up like Google and Facebook. When I actually don't think this is how potential startup employees should be looking at where they work. Yes, they want to join a company that's up to the right, that's growing really quickly. But one thing I think that is kind of overlooked many times is the culture fit. And how are you able to determine if there might be a culture fit or team fit before you even join the team? Well, I found something that actually enables you to do this and it's called job serve. Job serve gives you the edge that you need to understand your personal work style and how that affects the job you do and those you work with. Ultimately you fill out their assessment then you're able to see oh this is my work style and I gel with these types of people or this type of team and this is the type of team that I may not gel with. For example I took the assessment and there's a few things that I learned. One My temperament is I'm a driver. My primary tendency is to take control of situations. I prefer more of an independent approach with an emphasis on persistence, pragmatism, and a strong will. What's my leadership tendency? It's relationship-based. I prefer to focus more on relationships in order to support and motivate others Whether the individuals report to me or not, these are things that I've learned where if I ever in the future wanted to work for a startup, I would keep these in mind. Would I want to work for a startup that doesn't like drivers, doesn't want independent-minded thinkers? Well, if that's the case, I wouldn't work there, right? And I now know that because I've taken this quiz. So for you, if you are thinking of breaking into startups, you want to understand what startup would be a good fit for you, I highly encourage you to go to jobserve.com. That's J-O-B-S-U-R. RV.com. Take the assessment and learn more about yourself so you understand what team would be the best fit for you. And how about this? After you take the assessment, email me, matt at mattsherman.com. Let me know what your results are, and I'll bring a couple of you onto the podcast to chat with me about your results and what that means and what types of startups might be a good fit. So if you are interested in understanding yourself better and, more importantly, understanding what type of startup is the best fit for you on a cultural level – on a team fit level, go to jobsur take the assessment, and email me at Matt at and maybe I'll pick a couple of you to come on the podcast and chat about your results. And note, if you're an employer, this is for you too. You can use JobServe ultimately to make sure the people that you hire are aligned with you culturally and a team fit. That is jobsurv.com. Check it out. Email me once you fill out the assessment, and maybe I'll have you on the podcast. Now let's get into today's episode. What is going on everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Lisa McGill, who is a co-founder of Elyria. Welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: Hey, great. It's been a long day, but happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Excited to be chatting and learning more about what you're working on. For people that don't know Elyria or haven't heard of you or haven't heard of your company, can you kind of share what you're working on?
1: Yeah, of course. So we are an HR tech company that is taking the guesswork out of diversity and inclusion. And what that really means to us is that we're coming into organizations, we're measuring inclusion, and we're pinpointing exactly where business leaders can focus to drive not only greater inclusion, but greater employee satisfaction and greater business performance overall.
0: So let's start with... um... What types of companies do you kind of work with? you work with startups, Fortune 500, any sort of company? I guess, yeah, so who's kind of your target company you'd like to work with?
1: Yeah, so we started a lot in the financial services space, but majority of our customers these days are kind of mid-sized companies with like between 1,000 and 10,000 employees on average uh, just because, you know, at that point, you know, diversity and inclusion becomes a little bit more complicated.
0: It's it's funny when you say... um, mid sized companies being like a thousand to like five thousand because I'm like a mid-sized <laughs> company is like fifty employees, but not not really. Yeah. I mean like it's just startup world, company world, it's just kind of definitely.
1: Above. I think the same, but yeah. <laughs> so let's
0: um well actually before we go into more of how it works, what you do when you go inside these companies, um, let's kind of start off with the beginning and kind of hear a little bit of the origin of the story and why you decided to start this company.
1: Sure. So Alaria's story actually starts before me, uh, at least me being involved with Alaria. About five years ago, one of our co-founders, uh, Paolo Gadiano, he began conducting research, combining behavioral sciences and computer simulations to try to quantify the business value of diversity and inclusion. And those initial simulations and research inform the foundations of our work at Alaria today. And so it was just serendipitous timing, maybe, that I was returning from a social impact fellowship where I was working in Rwanda for a few months and was looking for my next big thing. And Paulo happened to be looking for someone to develop a scalable uh, product and solution based on his research and methodologies. So we've been working together, um, three of us, uh, myself, Paulo, and our uh, third co-founder, Arshia, for about two and a half years now.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So let's say in another world, I had a company that had a thousand employees. I was like, I was like in your sweet spot. And I, um, I guess at what point would I, would, would I like reach out? And then when you join kind of, when you kind of join and we become, we become a customer of yours, what do you do? Can you kind of share what the flow is when you work with companies, Type of activities you do, what someone can expect if you kind of are brought in to, to help a company out with their diversity efforts?
1: Certainly. And that's, uh, you know, one quick note is it's not to say that we can't work with smaller companies. Certainly, we have solutions for startups and such. They're just not really our, you know, quote unquote, target market. Um, But yeah, so we're, you know, as I mentioned, measuring inclusion and the way that we do that well, it, it sometimes helps to start with like a bit of an analogy, you know, when you go to the doctor, you don't just like walk in and sit down and the doesn't just hand you a magic pill that solves everything, right? At first you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork, which is really annoying because it's the same paperwork every single time, right? But this, at the same point, it's really important because there's this list of symptoms and illnesses and diseases you might have faced before, and they're trying to uncover what are you actually experiencing so that they can understand how to treat what you have and what you're you know, facing at that moment. So we're trying to do the same thing with inclusion. So uh, we're coming into the organization And in order to understand what's happening from um, the inclusion perspective, we're looking at incidents of exclusion. So we're looking to have employees share with us those moments where they were made to feel excluded and what that source of uh, exclusion was. So uh, they they might say as an example, I know that I'm not paid as much as my male peers, which is something we hear somewhat often. And we'll ask them to categorize that into um, one of our frameworks is called the categories of inclusion. So we'll say, okay, well, which category does that belong into? And they'll be like, oh, this is compensation and benefits. And maybe it has to do with respect as well. And then we'll ask them, what's the source of that? And they might say, well, my direct manager has control of giving me more pay. So I'm saying the source is my direct manager we're able to collect thousands and thousands of these experiences of exclusion from employees within the organization to better understand what's happening on a day-to-day basis we take all of that data and we provide leadership teams with insights into exactly where they can focus to drive greater inclusion and so in that example if we're looking at compensation or maybe we're talking about people not feeling included in meetings or being interrupted all the, t- the time it might be that we're surfacing the opportunity for them to increase employee satisfaction by simply creating better more inclusive meeting practices, or something like that—that's a little more tangible and possible than some of these like overarching um, DNI you know strategies that tend to be a little harder to achieve.
0: Yeah, so that's incredible. And what I love about it is like you you figure out what's actually going on, and then you communicate it to leadership. You don't like ask the leadership what's going on because oftentimes they don't know, right? They're not on the ground floor, and then that's probably why they bring you in do do you ever get um leadership teams that like sometimes like don't believe the data or reject it or like some conflict there where they can't believe they've maybe built you know a, a you know a company that that might be different from where they what they see in their head like kind of how do you ever have that dynamic
1: yeah it's a great question uh, and aligned with something that you also just said uh The idea that we come into organizations a lot of times that we're trying to convince business leaders of is the fact that inclusion is actually invisible and particularly to those who enjoy it the most. And so, you know, a lot of times if you are, you know, a primarily privileged, you know, white, straight guy who's, you know, you know, whatever, check the boxes you'd like. Uh, You may not have a sense of what it looks like to be excluded within your organization on a daily basis and so we're surfacing that and so before we even do that work we're normally having the conversations with leadership to help them understand why we go about thinking about diversity and inclusion in the way that we do. And our mission is really uh, to change the way that business leaders are thinking about diversity and inclusion, but more importantly, what they're doing about it. And so there's a bit of that education that happens up front. And it's super important because honestly, at the end of a lot of our uh, inclusion assessments, what we're surfacing is that more often than not, it's managers and direct um, direct managers and leadership that are the source of most feelings and experiences of exclusion. And so they have to be willing and able to look at that data and say, okay, what actually needs to happen here to change this? What behaviors, what policies need to change so that our employees don't feel as if we are excluding them through our behavior and and, in the way that we're operating as business leaders. And so if they're not willing to take that lens and understand that change within the organization may also be change as it relates to them, it will never be that successful
0: curious on the macro level, have you seen more companies than usual care about um, inclusion efforts? Have you seen, or is it about the same? Is it going down? Like, I'm curious on the macro trend, what are you seeing as I think the, um, this is becoming more and more, you know, companies are realizing this is more and more important. Um, Is like your, from your perspective, is this becoming more of a priority for more companies?
1: Absolutely. I think 2020 has, brought more change than any of us could have ever anticipated. And the combination of you know, you have the pandemic, which has companies in a matter of weeks time showing that they can completely change how they operate if they have to, and um, having to face that like seemingly permanence that's going to uh, exist around remote work and flexibility and work-life integration. And then you add in the fact that, you know, we have uh, the murder of George Floyd that's prompted all of this um, increased conversation around social injustices and has had, you know, I think the statistic was 42% of U.S.-based companies uh, made a public statement against anti-racism, or commitments to um, creating more diverse and inclusive teams. And so now they're at a place where they were made to scramble for a moment. They were made to uh, reflect on where their values um, align with the needs and the changes in, in society at this moment. And they're currently trying to figure out what does that mean for us as an organization? Where should we be investing our resources? How do we actually create the change that we promised to create, and they don't know the answers. A lot of them, or they're starting, you know, simple, but know that it's going to become more complicated as they get further into the work. And so, anything that surfaces the real opportunities that exist based on their organization, their teams, their structures uh, is going to be extremely powerful. And uh, in terms of trend, the actual question uh, only increasing for the next year or so, for sure.
0: I'm thinking about this question, I'm not sure how to ask it, so I'll just kind of like. Give it a shot. I feel like that there's some the the worst off companies, the the the, the worst inclusion, um, or the like kind of the most exclusion. You know, diversity is bad. Anything like that, they are going to be so blind to the fact that it needs help that they will be the like the last ones to reach out to you versus companies that are a little more self-aware and they know that they want to get ahead of it. you you know, they want, and that's what we reach out to you to kind of make sure that they, um, you know, are growing a company in the right way. Is this, is this something that you're noticing or, or do the really companies that have a really, you know, have some problems, do they reach out to you too? How do you, how do you think about kind of that dynamic?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And certainly, uh, you know, we're not trying to target, people who don't care about this work you know, proactively. That's not to say that they don't have work to do, but um, I think we did a lot of work in the financial services uh, industry to start. So just as as an example, uh, an industry that certainly has a lot of work to do. What I can say has brought them to that conversation beyond just the fact that it is the right thing to do and potentially there are people in the right positions to move that needle forward, but in addition to that, there is regulatory pressures. Um, there are, um, you know, supplier um, diversity programs that are causing increased, you know, um, transparency. There are, you know, marketing, sales, government contracts, things like this that are starting to be impacted by your ability to answer those questions. And so, while I, you know don't love the fact that it's potentially sometimes not the right reasons that are like getting them to the table uh we're seeing that that is the case right there is that societal pressure that is starting to um increase those conversations um you know you see this with the changing regulations and like board requirements in california things like this that are going to just continue to add that pressure on and um, if that's what it takes that's what it takes uh, and that's that's okay
0: yeah absolutely I'm kind of curious to hear, like, what's a day in the life uh, for you? What, Like, you, there's a million things you could probably be spending your time on. Um, so what do you spend your time on if you're open to sharing the most average day that you have?
1: <laughs> yeah, so average day. Um, I currently spend a lot of time on Zoom, <laughs> going meeting to meeting. But uh, luckily, our team has always been fully remote. So we're uh, adjusted and used to that as is. Uh, but you know, it's a balance of you know, product development, um, research, fundraising and servicing our clients which means you know coming into these organizations um, running webinars and workshops to capture that data uh, analyzing the data writing reports and helping them you know drive change internally so um, across the board wearing multiple hats which is kind of just like depending on the day
0: it does really change depending on the day I, I really to that as well. So if you kind of, so that's kind of a zoom in specifically to, to, to your days, but if you were to zoom out, you know, big time, you know, to on a yearly level, we'd love to kind of hear what, what you think the, the future of, um, of this company could look like, or I guess in other words, like what's your big vision for it and what direction are you rowing in over the next five, 10 years?
1: That's an exciting question. So we, over the last two and a half years have been validating these frameworks for measuring inclusion and conducting research and, uh, having these physical in-person inclusion assessments. And then that evolved to a point where we launched an MVP tech platform in March. So we were able to start doing these inclusion assessments that used to take months of time in quite literally one interactive experience and we're able to capture everything we need now um, that quickly. And so, uh, you know, in a year's time, we're looking at uh, probably a a platform that looks a little bit more like a SaaS platform that's embedded into organizations and is able to track inclusion on an ongoing basis, but also be able to um, Flag any risks and opportunities that present themselves based on the experiences that are shared. To continue to be a resource for employees and to continue to track the specific outcomes of very specific DNI initiatives that we're suggesting, and so um, that ability to uh, shift into being that level of a resource is definitely a, uh, a large tech investment you know we're, we're focused on product right now and um, beyond product you know the opportunity is, is also aligned with us scaling into larger organizations so i mentioned earlier we're focused on these mid-sized businesses but as we uh, perfect that technology scale it into uh, enterprise level uh, type solutions we can start to work with and collaborate with larger organizations as well
0: and then to make all that happen, you'll need some help. Um, you know, you'll need, you know, you always need help when you're, you know, when you're owner of a company, you know, whether it's employees or investors or customers, that you only need help. And and luckily you got all the help that you need from the forward thinking founders community. So for my my last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you looking for customers? are you hiring, looking for investors? How can we assist?
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Thank you so much. Uh, And yeah, we're definitely uh, looking to grow and have that diversity and inclusion conversation with any organizations that are trying to figure out how to tackle that within their companies. So happy to have that reach out anytime. Uh, And we're also actively raising money. So happy to have that conversation as well.
0: And then if someone wants to learn more for the final question, if someone wants to learn more or get in touch, do you have a website Are you on social media? Can they email you? How, How can someone get in touch?
1: Yeah, it's yes to all of those questions. uh, But maybe the easiest place to start is our website, aleria.tech. And we have a weekly newsletter that comes out every Tuesday. So if you're just interested in following along and staying up to date with the latest in research and best practices and resources, highly recommend that.
0: All right, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you.